know you more through, through the time we spend here in the Word this morning and through, through the preaching of the Gospel. I pray that you would help me to be faithful. Help me to, to um, say words that, that point folks to you and that I wouldn't get in the way that it, this would be a sermon you know, that, that would help people to know Jesus better and, and um, come to salvation, that they would, they would bathe themselves in the Gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we are in the last week of the series we've been doing on uh, on the enemy within, which is uh, sin. And uh, actually, I, I wasn't sure I was going to open, and then I saw my puzzle is still up here. Um, this is a 40th birthday gift from, the I don't know, it was it was on my cake at the party a few years ago uh, for my 40th birthday. And, and um, it is a puzzle, a Death Star puzzle, and I talked about it, um, how I'd been messing with this thing, trying to solve this stupid puzzle, and I figured out how to cheat to win. And, and so, like, the puzzle has an Achilles heel, you know, a way around beating it properly, like fighting through every level and trying to figure it out. And, and it actually sort of fit with, uh, with uh, what we're talking about this morning, and so I was happy I left it sitting there. I, laziness paid off once again. Um, <laughs> in, in the Star Wars films, uh, the, the Death Star is almost this ridiculous force. It's unbeatable, Right. Because it's this this huge monstrous space station, and you know it, it it's it's actually I think it's supposed to be like the Bismarck in World War II, where it's just utterly unbeatable, and and of course it you know it, it was one simple little thing, you know like an open hatch that that made it beatable, like it, that you know you look at it and you think well that, why didn't they cover the hatch you know like why didn't they plan for that but it it's this one little thing that made it easy to beat. And, and in the end, it wasn't, you know, this, this monstrous, unbeatable thing. It was just one little thing. And, and that's because it had an Achilles heel. This, this last year, I read uh, The Iliad. Has anybody read that? It's, it's not very entertaining. Um, the movie's better. Uh, <laughs> but, but in The Iliad, um, Achilles is, is this unbeatable warrior. Um, I, he's almost a superhero, which is funny because it, um, um, he fights Hector, and in the movie version, Hector's kind of kind of a loser, and and in the book, like Hector's the hero, and Achilles is kind of the bad guy. Um, but Achilles, his his great weakness was his his heel. Everything else had been washed in this divine water that made him, you know, so weapons couldn't pierce him. And and the one spot, like where he was dipped in the water by his heel, was the spot that he was weakened, and he gets shot in the ankle, and it kills him. Um, the 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 idea behind the Achilles heel, of course, is that that you know something might seem unbeatable. It might seem um, like we can never ever overcome it. But but in the end, there is this little chink in the armor that that can be beaten. In Lord of the Rings, it was it was the or was it, it was the Hobbit. Yeah, it was the little little hole in the armor, the little bare spot that he shot through with the arrow. And and in comic books, there's always one thing for Superman. It's kryptonite. And for Batman, it's bankruptcy. I suppose I don't know. I. <laughs> I <laughs> but but um, when we talk about our flesh and we talk about the sin and the like like sin that lives in us, the Achilles heel of sin um, is there. But a lot of times we assume that like like it shouldn't be that easy, and it's not actually that easy. But but we we look for a more complicated answer, and so when we you know I've talked to folks who struggle with uh, um, men who struggle with pornography, and they go well. I'm going to get rid of my computer and I'm going to, you know, get rid of TV and I just won't see anything. And then, you know, they, something always comes up. 
um, and they find something because like the flesh will find a way. We can't avoid sin on our own behalf. I, I work in a rehab program where kids started huffing dryer sheets, like dryer sheets. It doesn't even make sense. You know, but they, they would find anything they could come up with or they would like choke each other until they passed out because it made them feel funny in the head. You know, I mean, it's like, what, what, you know, but, but the flesh and, and our sin will always find a way to rebel. It will always find a way to be, to be wicked. Like, like, cause that's what it does, but there is an Achilles heel and, and throughout this series, we've talked about all kinds of other ways that we can fight against our flesh, ways that our flesh, um, deceives us, how our, our minds will tend to talk ourselves into things that don't, you know, that are in rebellion against God, like, like this ongoing battle that we, that we have and how we're called to holiness. Like this is literally what we are as believers called to do. Like Jesus dies for our sins, right? Um, Jesus carried the weight of the punishment for my sin on the cross. Like, like he died and then he resurrected, like proving that it was true. Also like, like establishing that eternal life exists, like that there is life after death for all of us. Um, and that the resurrection will happen one day, like, like, but that's not the end of the story. We're called to be like Christ and to draw close to God and to, to be new creations. And so, like, the job of the Christian life after is to be holy. And it's hard, right? I mean, it is hard. It's an every single day thing. Like, every day we have to work at it. And there's always this little, like, pull on us. And usually we don't end up in sin, because we, we made a slight wrong turn. I, I was in Reno last week on vacation, and I, um, I, w- I went out on my bicycle because I, I'm doing this cancer fundraising ride thing, and I've got to ride like a certain number of miles in June as a part of it. And, and I, I went out, and I started riding, and I thought, well, I turned right out of the neighborhood. And so I rode about five miles, and then I turned right again. And now if I want to get back to where I'm going or where I came from, you would think I would make two more right-hand turns and I'm okay. Guess what? Those roads didn't like work in straight lines like I thought they would. They began to curve and they began to turn. And I, I, after a little while, I realized, oh my gosh, that's the airport and that's not near my parents' house and the casinos are all in front of me. So I made two right-hand turns and the casinos were in front of me again. And the airport was right there again because the roads don't, didn't move in straight lines. They turned and they twisted. And slowly I drifted back away from where I was heading. And this is the way with sin. Like sin will turn us and drag us and in little bits and in little ways. Like, like I very rarely meet a man who will, will develop a pornography addiction like that. It's usually, you know, a little thing here and there. And like, like, you know, I, 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 as a kid, I used to look at, you know, the swimsuit issue, and then it became this, and it became this, and it slowly grew into this, like, really bad thing that is out of control and is wrecking my marriage, and, or would wreck my marriage, or, or what have you. Or, um, you know, you rarely meet somebody who develops, in, you know, a, a, a problem with alcohol immediately. It's in little bits, and it just gets out of control. Um, or debt. Anybody ever find themselves, like, really in debt? You know, and, and, and like it, it starts out with just a little bit on the credit card because we wanted to go out to eat this month. And before you know it, you got $20,000. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to get out of this? Um, it's always in small increments. And this is how sin works. And, like, overcoming sin is a daily process because of that. We have to address it every day. We have to, like, focus. We have to reset our, our path on Christ. Um, 
some of the things we've discussed so far is like focusing on the cross. Every day, like looking and remembering, like, Jesus died for all this sin that I commit. Like, every time I yell at the kids for no reason, every time I mistreat my neighbor, every time I gossip, every time I, all the littlest things, Jesus carried the weight of that. And it's not little sin, it's big sin. Um, We watch for sin's deceit in our life. Like, we pay attention to where we're being lied to. Um, um, how, How sin is telling us, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's, you know... It's okay because this person deserves to be mistreated because, you know, it's, it's these, like, we, we look out for ways that we, we lie to ourselves. We, we fill ourselves uh, with affection for heavenly things. And this is kind of a weird one, um, but we did talk about it. One of the ways that we overcome sin is we realize that there's actually something better, right? Like, there's something way better in store for us than what this world has to offer. Um, I... I, uh, I I love the age my children are at um, because they haven't. Abby's just rounding the corner where she's discovering that there's like good Halloween candy. Some of you guys know have heard me talk about this. At a, the younger years, they just love like the awful Halloween candy, which is great because as a parent, I get to eat all the good stuff. And then they eat like the Tootsie Rolls. Oh boy, Tootsie Rolls! Yeah, you have that. I'm going to take these peanut butter cups you hate. Um, <laughs> they, they don't know any better. Um, and this is the way it is with flesh and the sin in this world. Like, we believe, oh, this is the best there is. And we don't realize that God has so much more in store for us. Even in this life, as we come close to him, when we draw into relationship with him, as we know Christ intimately, as we experience victory over our, over our flesh, like, like on a regular basis, like, like these things are amazing. Um, but we just want those, we want those Tootsie Rolls so much. And I've talked about this in sermons a bunch of times. I've I've had folks approach me and say, you know, I actually do love Tootsie Rolls. And I say, well, you do seem like you never grew out of it, right? <laughs> um, but now that I'm an adult, I put behind childish things. Um, that was <laughs> – thank you for laughing at that. Um, we, we apply our will to God's grace, meaning we look for God's grace. We look for ways to put ourselves into this, like we – we um, recognize, oh, I'm struggling here. I can come under God's grace. I, as I sin, I'm not supposed to return to this sin over and over again. I'm supposed to dwell in God's grace. Like this is a huge part of um, what we're called to. We renew our first love, meaning, I don't know. When I first started following Jesus, I, I read my Bible every day, right? I, I talk about Jesus all the time. I, I actually think I drove my family nuts, um, you know, because it was just, it was everything, and, and there's this funny deal where it starts to drift out of the center of, our, of our, our focus. And like coming back to that first love and renewing it is a part of how we overcome sin. Because when we're passionate about like Jesus, when we're passionate about this new life, it's easier to beat back this stuff. Um, and we seek out God's glory, meaning we look for places where God is glorified and we enjoy that. Um, I... I golly, I've eaten cake probably because everybody's birthday in our family is in like a two-week stretch. And then there was like a going-away party and a bunch of graduation parties I went to. And so I've eaten cake over and over again. And when I get cake, my wife isn't here, but she knows the piece of cake I always want is the corner because the corner is the best part. And you know why? It's got the most frosting. And I actually, I will eat the cake part before I eat the frosting so I can get all of the frosting in one solid sugar rush moment, right? Like the spots where we see God glorified, 
the spots where we see God raised up, the spots where we see God's majesty and his grandiose nature, like where we just see God in his in the fullness of what we're able to see in this life, like they're the frosting of the Christian walk, right? Um, <clears throat> Montana, I think, is blessed in a special way because you can go out and you can you can see, you know, God's art hanging in the sky around us. If you're a guy like Craig, you're lucky enough to reproduce that for, for a part of your living or for a hobby. I don't know. What is it? Um, <laughs> if you're a guy like Jimmy, you know, you're blessed to... to, to <laughs> Get photos you've taken of God's beauty, like on the magazine covers. Um, if if you're like, when we look and we dwell on God's glory, on the amazing things God has done, um, we realize how blessed we are. How and and it, it the pretty things in this world don't look quite as pretty next to it. Um, how many? I I'm in a dad moment here. Dad's in the room. How many of y'all took a minute this morning to just watch your kids? And like think, man, I'm I am blessed. Especially as they're being nice to you. <laughs> I my son got up this morning and dressed himself. My wife has a picture of it. His shirt is buttoned crooked. And he wore shorts and cowboy boots. And he sat in my lap and whispered in my ear, Daddy, I love you. Man, God has blessed me. He's blessed me more than I would ever, ever deserve. And like the idea that anything would be attractive to me over what God has given me is its crazy, right? Um, so these are some of the tactics we've discussed. All of this, um, I've been preaching topically through a book called The Enemy Within. Um, I'm thinking about doing a book study uh, next year or next fall. If anybody wants to read it, I'll read it again. Um, if anybody wants to read it with me and sit down and talk about it, I would happily do that. Um, just if you've enjoyed the series, like that's an option. Um, so these are some of the tactics, but like winning in the moment is not the same thing as winning forever, right? Um, what is it after the battle of the Alamo? Um, y'all are aware there was a battle at this place called the Alamo where like 7,000 Mexican troops fought against a couple hundred Texans and the Texans like lost in the end, but they killed like a thousand like, like soldiers from Mexico. I mean, it was like, they lost badly, but they, they took a lot of people with them. And one of General Santa Ana's uh, soldiers said, or generals, they were talking, and Santa Ana said, this is a great victory for us. And his general said, yeah, a few more victories like this, and we're going to lose. <laughs> um, the, the, the idea here is, like, we can win victories every day, but, like, there is a, a larger battle to be fought with our flesh, right? Um, I, I have friends who are um, alcoholics. I have a lot of friends who are alcoholics who are, are in recovery, and they will say, like, it seems like this is never going to end. Every day I, you know, white-knuckle it all the way till sundown, and then I get up tomorrow and I do it again. You know, and then I white-knuckle it all the way to sundown, and I get up and I do it again. Or I talk to folks who are married, and they say, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through being married one more week. I can't deal with this. You know, and they, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And, and, you know, they figure out how to get through one day after another, after another, after another, but they, they just struggle every day. Um, this morning we're going to talk about how you do that. And there is an Achilles heel. There's a hatch that you can shoot through and blow the whole thing up, right? Um, there is a, an Achilles heel, you, you know, this spot where you can hit it, this bit of kryptonite that, that makes our, our flesh wither. Um, and, and it's faith, which is a weird thing because it sounds so nebulous, right? You know, we say that almost like it's a greeting card. Have faith, you'll be all right. 
Um, but faith at the core of it is, is what enables us to overcome sin in the long term. Right? We'll never be without sin. We'll never, um, until we go to heaven, like we'll spend our whole lives like dealing with, with some degree of sin in our lives. But we can defeat it in areas that we don't think it's possible. I've known people who, you know, who through faith in Christ have overcome addictions, who've, who've overcome broken relationships, who've overcome their own like, like fallen nature. I mean, like faith, faith can make this happen, but it's not, uh, but, but it's something we actually have to do, right? Um, my son, I, we had to buy a lawnmower recently. The blade fell off of our lawnmower, which is about how long you should like use a car or any appliance until it falls apart, right? Or until your kids give you a new one for Father's Day, hint, hint. Um, <clears throat> so we, we, we had to go out and we had to buy a lawnmower. And I, I priced around and I wanted to get the one that would like cut with the most power so that I would be able to wait the longest amount of time before mowing again so that the weeds would grow up and it wouldn't choke the mower out. Um, no amen for that. I really thought I had it coming. I, um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I picked one out, and it's the first time in my life I've owned a self-driving or a self-propelled lawnmower. And I told Titus, I'm like, Titus, I got this lawnmower, and it can drive itself. And Titus, like, was excited the first time I mowed the lawn. He sat on the front porch. He's like, make it drive itself. And I'm like, like. I did. I held the little handle up, and it, you know, I'm not even pushing it. He's like, Dad, let go of it so it'll drive itself. <laughs> and I thought about it. I'm like, man, I could put a pole in the middle of the yard and tie a rope to it and just have it drive around in a circle. And like, <laughs> but, but that seemed irresponsible, which is why I'm doing it next week when Mom's not home. Um, the <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that, Abby. <laughs> um, but, but faith, all right, so this is the deal. Faith is this thing that we have to be a part of, right? And it's not nebulous. It's not this thing that does itself. It's not this strong feeling we have in our stomach. It's none of that stuff. Like, we can get lost in this idea of it. Faith is something we have to do. Um, it's something we have to, like, dig in and be a part of. Um, by faith, like, like, let's start with this. Um, we have to fill our, our souls and our lives up with, like, the reality of, of like, the purpose of Christ's death and resurrection. I, um, have any of y'all seen that movie uh, Mel Gibson made it, the one, the Jesus movie? Passion. Yeah, The Passion. Man, that is, a, that, is a, that is a hard movie to watch, right? And I, I've watched this. I, I've seen it a couple times. I've seen it with different groups of people. And, and one of the things that I've noticed that's different is folks can sit down and watch it. And actually, I read an article by a reviewer who wasn't a believer who said, oh, it's just torture porn for Christians. Like, it's just glorifying and all this horror that happened. And it, it can just be this glorifying and all this horror that happened if you don't understand that this is horror that happened because I sinned. This is horror that happened that made it possible for me to be reconciled with God. It made it possible for me to overcome the wickedness in my heart. It, it made it possible for me to be forgiven. I can go to bed at night when I close my eyes and those memories come of the bad things that you've done, you know, and you feel start, start to feel guilty. Am I really the only one who does this? Um, <laughs> and you say... No, I'm forgiven for that. No, Jesus carried that. No, I'm a new person. That isn't me anymore. No, like, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to be able to say, this is gone. I belong to you. Right? Like, and we have to fill ourselves with that, with faith. Like, we have to trust that that is the truth. Um, we have to put ourselves into that. Um, I, I last night I was I was talking to a friend of mine and I, I, I shared the story. I've shared it probably a dozen times 
in sermons, but I'm, I'm going to share it again. I, years ago when my wife uh, and I, when we got pregnant with our, the first time, and, and my wife, we, we told everybody in the world, we went to hear the heartbeat, and there was no heartbeat, and, and we had this, this miscarriage, and it went for like a month, and it was just horrible and painful, and it was really one of the most difficult things you'd ever experienced. And I, I talked to a pastor friend of mine who had lost a 16-year-old who, who had been killed in a car wreck. And, and we sat down and we had this conversation and he's like, man, I can tell you're still, it was like two months later and I'm still kind of dragging. He's like, I can tell you're dragging. He's like, the thing that I learned when I, when my daughter died was, um, it's right now that heaven needs to be real. Like before it was a thing where like, I'd like to go there when it di- when I die, but like if it, you know, I didn't, I probably wouldn't know. Um, but now like I have to have that be real because otherwise I don't get to see her again. Like, there's a lot hanging on this. It is a big deal. And there's truth in that. It's, it's one thing to say, you know, oh, yeah, heaven's really there. It's another thing to say, like, oh, heaven's there, and I need it to be there. Like, this is, this is the core part of who I am. If it's not there, as Paul put it, like, if Christ isn't raised, like, we're to be pitied more than anyone else in the whole world, right? Because we got nothing, and we've wasted our lives. Like, overcoming sin begins with... It begins with realizing like that Jesus' death like was to save me. And if he didn't die to save me, then then I'm in trouble. Like it has to be real because I need it to be real. Um it, it's something more than just, you know, more than just an idea. It's central to us. Um and find it in the scriptures over and over again. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Um golly, I I, I included this because I had this conversation once with a guy who was an atheist, and he was, he was in a rehab program that I worked at, and he was telling me, oh, well, God isn't real. I said, well, you know, why is it that, like, faith-based solutions, like the 12-step program, where you accept God as being in control of your life and you, you pursue him as a part of your daily existence, why is that more successful than anything else? You say, oh, you're lying to yourself, that's why. Um, but in reality, there's no power in lying to yourself. Like, we can overcome sin. We can become different because Christ in us and this new creation makes it possible. I can endure difficult situations, and I can stand strong when the whole world is on fire around me because Christ makes me new. Um, like, like, if that is the truth, like, if I am banking on it, it changes me. Um, Real faith, real trust involves doing that. Um, out of his fullness, we have all received great grace in place of grace already given. Meaning that, like, because Christ is real, because Christ died for our sins, because we receive forgiveness, which is grace, unearned forgiveness is grace, um, every day I get more. So, like, I'm forgiven, and then, like, the sin I committed yesterday, I'm forgiven for that. And the sin I'll commit later today, I don't know what it is, I'm not planning it, but at some point in time my flesh is going to grab hold of the wheel, I'm going to steer in oncoming traffic, and I'm going to deal with my own sin, right? I'm forgiven. Like grace upon grace upon grace, which is true, which is real, and it's on me because I need it to be. And the best example of this I found is in Second Corinthians. Paul is talking about all of these trials he's endured and he says you know what to keep me from becoming conceited god sent a messenger from satan a a thorn in my flesh that that tortures me every day um and paul begged god to take it away and in the end god comes back and he says but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made complete in weakness therefore i will boast 
all the more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. What's he mean? He means when I can't do it, Jesus does it on my behalf. When I can't do it, God works and I lean on him. When I can't do it, Christ's strength reigns in me and I can point to that. There are people who are great speakers, right? Um, There are people who, in fact, actually, as a great example um billy graham just died earlier this year billy graham at at the beginning of his ministry was considered to be like the third or fourth best preacher in the country um he was not the best one at all and actually if you go back and you 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 look at it um you know he's a very simple straightforward preach the gospel like right at what it is but like god did great things to him greater than any of the other guys who are ahead of him in line because i mean because god did the work right like, Billy Graham's story is the story of God doing great things through an ordinary man. Like, and that is it. It's not, oh, he was awesome. It's God did great things through an ordinary man. Um, I, I really love uh, fallen leaders in the church. Like, when you look back and you say, well, this guy was really flawed. Because um, a flawed man who saves, like, like shares Jesus with a lot of folks and changes the world is, is the opportunity to point and say, God changes the world, right? Um, We overcome sin by filling ourselves with that reality and leaning on it and allowing God to work through us. Um, but it's a thing we got to trust. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's a life thing. Um, by faith, we expect help to come from Christ. Um, there are days where I pray about stuff and I think, well, God, I'm asking, but I'm pretty sure you're not doing anything. Anybody else do this? Like, I am <laughs> put myself out there. Like, there are times I say, well, I really hope God will come along and, and help me out right now, but it ain't going to happen. I, I, I can point to, honestly, in the last 20-plus years, I can point to 100 examples of this, you know, probably more than that, where God has come through and I didn't really expect him to. Um, like, faith in overcoming sin is like stepping back and saying, God is going to help me do this. And I might struggle with it today. I might struggle with it tomorrow. I might struggle with it the day after that. But God is going to help me do that. Do this thing. I'm going to clarify here, though. I talked to someone recently who said that um, they had a family member die of cancer that they prayed for and um, prayed, just poured themselves out in prayer. And somebody came to him and said, well, the reason that this person died of cancer was you didn't pray with enough faith. That's not how it works. Everybody with me? (laughs) Faith helps us to overcome sin. Faith helps us to draw close to Christ. Sometimes faith helps us, like, pray and God heals people. That does happen, Right? But if somebody dies, it doesn't mean you didn't have enough faith. Got it? Like what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about overcoming sin in our lives. And so when I struggle with sin, when I struggle with angry thoughts, when I struggle with bitterness, when I'm still mad at somebody I haven't seen in 20 years, anybody have that? Like, like faith is trusting that Christ is going to help me out with this, that Christ is going to help me overcome it. Um, this is actually, uh, Job said this, uh, Job in the midst of all of his loss and his misery and everything else, he says, God, do you even have eyes of flesh? Do you understand what I'm going through? Do you understand what this is like? And, and you know, Christ is God's answer to that. Yes, I will go through it too, and I will be with you and do this. Um, Hebrews, uh, for this reason, we had, excuse me, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered 
uh, when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Um, this, is a, this is a promise. It's a powerful promise. It is saying, Jesus did this too. He understands. He is before God on your behalf. He poured out his life on your behalf. And he will help you in the moment. Right? He will help you when you struggle. He will help you when you strain. He will help you when you stumble. Like, like Christ will help. Um, and trusting that that's the truth is a big deal. Um, not abandoning the idea that Jesus will pull us out of the mess we're in is part of overcoming sin. Um, this is uh, chapter 4. The Hebrews is a fantastic book. It's a very difficult book. It talks a lot about the priesthood. Uh, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. By the way, with confidence, um, on a regular basis, my children will approach me and ask for things. Every other dad in the room, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right now, I'm in the enjoyable phase where they're asking for Tootsie Rolls, except for Abby, who's asking for peanut butter cups. Um, later they'll ask for money. <laughs> um, there are days when they come to me and they know I'm going to say yes. And you can tell there's a difference in how they ask, right? Because they ask with confidence because they know they're going to get what they want. There are other days where they've been in trouble all day and they're coming to ask for something and they know the answer is no. When we come to Christ in confidence... Help me to overcome this sin. When we have faith and we lean on him, we come to him over and over again in repentance and brokenness. Like, like we can come to him in confidence that he will take care of us they, um, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do we know this? Like Christ comes to us over and over again like, like because we ask, because we can be confident that he will take care of us, because um, we can trust that he will watch out for us. When we set our faith on Christ's uh, death, blood, and cross, like, um, this is not a very well-typed point. Uh, actually, I have a verse. Let's do the verse first. Um, this is uh, Second Titus, or this is just Titus. There is no Second Titus. Uh, <laughs> for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation for all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for, the, with, wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Um, so now watch this. God has a bigger plan. Everybody got that? Now, if God is good... And if he's on your team, the things that happen fit into that plan, right? Like, so there's a couple of assumptions. But if we can trust these things, that means when the world falls apart, that means when people we love die, that means when we find ourselves dried up and left out, we can back up and say, you know what? Like, I can trust that Jesus has me. I can trust that Jesus, like, this is a part of the plan, it may be miserable getting through it. I, it may be hard. It may be awful. Um, but it's part of the plan, and I can trust that Christ is preparing me for eternity. Now, watch this. Um, I go to the gym. I've been going to the gym for a year, and this is the only example I can come up with over and over again. Um, and, and when I go to the gym, 
I, uh, one of the things I like to do is lift weights. I don't like to run. I like to lift weights, right? I do both. But if I go to the gym and I pick up the five-pound weight and I, you know, curl it ten times and then go home, is it going to make a big difference? If I do that five-pound weight ten times over and over again for ten years, I'm going to make no progress, right? What do you have to do to become strong? you got to push, Right? you got to pick up the 30-pound weight or the 40-pound weight or the 50-pound weight. Or if you're me, it's like the 80-pound weight. It's pretty awesome. Um, that's just to make sure everyone's still awake. Um, um, us enduring difficulty and trusting God in difficulty. Now watch this. That's the operative here trusting God in difficulty. It's not you doing amazing things. It's not you walking on water. It is trusting that at the moment you start drowning, Jesus, who is walking on water, will reach down and pull you out, right? We like to put ourselves in Jesus' spot. In reality, we're all Peter. Or the jerk who didn't get out of the boat because they were too afraid. Um, (laughs) The reality is that faith grows not when things are easy, Faith grows when things are hard. Isn't that, that's miserable. Because I talk to folks, I mean, honestly, like one of the hardest things about being a pastor is talking to people who are in just the brokenest thing that they're going to be in. And they say, you know what, I wake up every morning and I I don't know how I'm going to trust God anymore. I don't know how I'm supposed to trust God. I don't know how I'm supposed to go to him. I don't know how I'm supposed to talk to him right now. I don't know how I'm supposed to this. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. And I tell them, this is the best place for you to be because you're like in that eighth repetition where you're barely pushing the weight up and you can get barely get through it because you don't have to do the work. Christ is doing it. And you trusting when it's miserable. Are you figuring out how to trust when it's miserable? You figuring out how to have deeper faith when everybody else is pushing in the other direction. Like, that's when you grow. That's how you overcome sin. It's not in the easy places. It's in the hard places, Right? You become strong pushing up the heavy weight. You become strong trusting God when somebody else's life matters or whether or not you're going to see someone in eternity is up for question or whether or not you're ever going to forget this awful thing that happened to you is up for grabs. Like, that's when it matters. Is that a fun way to hear it? No. It's actually an awful way to hear it. But I would hope that it would offer a little bit of hope. If you're sitting in that spot, you're not sitting there without reason. Like, God will work through it. God will grow you. And in 10 years, you can look back and say, I know Jesus better because of this awfulness. I know Jesus better because of this garbage. I know Jesus better because of this stuff. Um, I'm going to jump over my Romans verse. Um, now, here's the big trick with all of this, is the Holy Spirit does it. <laughs> um, you don't have to be perfect because God sends a comforter. He sends a an advocate, um, and we're going to run through this really quickly. Um, the Spirit convicts our hearts. Anybody ever listen to a sermon and you're like thinking, and actually this happened to me when I first started going to church. It was St. Paul's Lutheran Church in um, uh, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and the guy's name was Pastor Michael McFarlane, and the guy, every Sunday, he would get up and preach, and it was like the guy was listening to what was going on inside my brain and heart. And I would think, how does this guy know what I was praying about this week? How did this guy know what my questions were? Because I, I seriously was just reading Matthew this week. And 
I wondered, what does this even mean? What is God doing with this? And it's like Pastor Mike heard me thinking this, and he got up and he talked about it. How is that even possible? Guess what? It wasn't Pastor Mike. It was the Holy Spirit. I have folks who come up to me and say, you know what, Eric? I don't even know and understand how you knew. And I didn't. Because <laughs> if it comes down to me knowing, y'all are in trouble. <laughs> y'all are a whole other level of in trouble. <laughs> I, I am a statue with clay feet, folks. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, will work through. I mean, all right, so everybody knows the story of Balaam. Balaam was a, was a prophet, a pagan prophet, and he was going to prophesy against um, Israel, and, and he's riding on a donkey, and the donkey, like, God gives the donkey the ability to speak, and the donkey says, hey, stop it. We're going to die if we keep going this direction. So if God can speak through a donkey... It's not much further down to talk through me. <laughs> Guys, if the Holy Spirit, like if you're getting nudged, if if I'm kicking at that sore spot, that ain't me doing it. It just isn't. Like if if you're sitting here and thinking, oh my gosh, how is this, you know, is he listening to me? That's the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you, you should... Oh, man, we could do that better. The Holy Spirit's talking. We should. Because if you ignore enough, your heart will get hard. And then you'll stop talking. That's an awful place to be. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Um, the Spirit teaches and reveals to us the fullness of Christ. Meaning, like, and so I, and actually, I experienced this, and I've heard a hundred people say it to me. I just started reading the Bible, and none of it makes sense to me. You know, I remember sitting down and reading through Matthew and thinking, I am getting nothing out of this. But you know what I did? I kept reading it. And then I asked questions. And then Pastor Mike talked about it every Sunday. And I have no idea how he knew what my questions were, but it's like he knew. The more we dig in, the more we read, the more we study, the more we understand. And it's not an intellectual knowledge. It is an everything knowledge, right? Um, sometimes it's a knowledge of experience. Um, one of the things that, that we can know about Christ is that Christ experienced hardship. Like, you feel lonely and the people around you are turning their backs on you. Like, read the book of John. Or no, Matthew, Luke, all of them. Like, when his, when his best friends abandon him to go to trial and be killed, right? Like, stand alone. Um, hanging on the cross when God turned his back on him. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like when he was alone, alone. Um, we can understand Christ through our hardship. Um, Christ stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he wept, right? He stood over Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives and he said, you know, oh, Jerusalem, how long have I desired to draw you close like a, like a hen draws her chicks close? Like, like, come back to me, my people. You know, and, and I've talked to folks who say, you know, I look at my kids and I wish... I wish they would just turn around and come back, and they won't. You know, and guess what? We get to know Jesus in a special way when we go through hardship. Because it's easy? No, because it's instant. Actually, you have to figure out that it's Jesus. You have to figure out, like, that God is teaching you. Um, but the Spirit will teach you if you are open to it. If you come back to it over and over again, the Spirit will teach you, and he will change you. Unfortunately, it's heavy weightlifting, not easy weightlifting. Um. The Spirit settles our heart in expectation of Christ. Um, there are times when you will be afraid. 
and where you need to learn to sit down and trust that Jesus is in control, right? Um, where you need to trust that he is going to come through, that you need to trust that you're forgiven, that you need to trust that, that he's not just letting things run like willy-nilly. Um, the Spirit helps us do that. The Spirit helps us when we're mourning. The Spirit helps us when we struggle. Like all of this stuff is a product of the Spirit. Um, I'm missing a slide, but I, they're all kind of building into each other. Um, the Spirit fixes the cross in our heart um, with sin-killing power. Like I love that phrase. I stole it from a book. It's, it's like bleach, right? Um, but ultimately, when we're able to step away from sin, like from, from desire to sin, from temptation, and think, no, Jesus died for me. I need to be different. No, this is not who I am anymore. I'm in Christ. That's a little like bleach cleaning out all the germs, right? Um, like we can come back to this over and over again. Um, and the Spirit is the one who makes it possible. The Spirit also sanctifies us. He cleans us. He takes the, the angry thoughts out of our brains. He takes, I mean, He changes us. The Spirit makes it possible. Um, and finally, the Spirit speaks for us. Um, anybody ever end up in a spot where you got no words? I can't even. You know what I mean? Like, like you just can't even find the words to say it. Or where God is acting on your behalf and you didn't even know it. I, I shared a story a few weeks ago about a lie I told where God fixed it without me knowing it. Like years before and it took me years to find out he had acted on my behalf. That's the Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit will do things and he will go to God and talk on our behalf when we're afraid or when we're ashamed or when we, we're, we're so broken we can't talk. Like the Spirit does this on our behalf. Sometimes, sometimes when we read the Scriptures... Actually, no, sorry, not when we read the scriptures. When we're in a situation, like, the word will come to us. Anybody ever have that? Where you're, like, in a horrible spot, and all of a sudden, like, the scriptures will come out in your brain, and you're like, wait a minute, that applies. Guess what? That's the Spirit working on our behalf. It's really nebulous. Some people like to treat the Spirit, you know, the, the topic of the Spirit, like, oh, he's this concierge from heaven. I say it, and he does it. It's not how it is. The Spirit goes with us and operates with us. He talks to God for us. He talks to us for God. Like the Spirit is with us constantly. Um, so what do we do all of, with all of this? Honestly, um, I covered a lot of ground here. Um, over and over again, at the core of it is, is faith. Like we have to trust Jesus died for us. We have to trust that God is in control. When we come to a place of doubt, we can doubt, but we have to struggle with it. You can't just drown in it. You've got to push in the direction of, I will trust God in this. I don't know how he's going to fix it. Um, it's not a passive, oh, he's going to fix it. I know he will, and so I don't need to worry about it. So we can worry. We can be afraid. We can, we can, you know, all of these things. But we grow in faith in those moments. Um, and finally, like, we, we trust the Spirit. And that grows as we go to God in prayer, as we fill ourselves with the Word, as we worship, as we spend time with other believers. Like, all of this stuff happens um, sort of, in unison with Christ operating in us. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to go enjoy Father's Day, the most important day of the year. And I'm going to give you a piece of advice, dads. Okay? This is important. Um, my son has started asking me, um, Dad, are you proud of me? Isn't that a crazy thing? And I realize that I have to tell him that even when he doesn't ask. You know why? Because it's important. Dads, 
Like, I know this is a day when they're supposed to do things for you and everything else. The biggest gift you can give your kids, the biggest gift you can give your kids over and over again is actually first to show them, like, trusting Jesus in your life. Um, And the second thing is to every day tell them, I love you. I am on your side. You know, I'm proud of you. You are wonderful. Um, That was an aside. I'll close in prayer and I'll let you be. Heavenly Father, um, pray that that in faith, like that, we can overcome sin in our lives. That we can that we can break away from sin that besets us. That sin that like like drowns us. Um, sin that seems like it'll be in control forever. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, that you would be with us in in our efforts and our drive to overcome that. I pray that you would help us to to focus on you, um, to trust that this is the truth. Lord God, we know that faith is is the Achilles heel of of our flesh, and I pray that you would give us deeper faith. Um, If need be, Lord, I pray that you would send us trial to grow in it, and and I know that's a miserable thing to ask for, but it's the truth, Lord. I I pray that you would give us opportunity to trust you, give us opportunity to have faith. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good morning, folks.